0: Everyone has stories they can tell about embarrassing moments they've experienced, but those moments of embarrassment can really mess with your mind. We're going to talk about that today on episode number four of Life After Sight Loss Radio. Everyone and welcome to Life After Sight Loss Radio, the podcast helping you discover life after sight loss. My name is Derek Daniel, I am your host and resident VIP, aka visually impaired person. If you're new to the program, welcome aboard. This is the place where we do product reviews, life advice, encouragement, how-tos, and so much more, all with the express purpose of helping individuals and families who are facing or going through physical sight loss. Hey, if you're a return visitor to the podcast, well, I'm so glad that you decided to come back. I guess you're a glutton for punishment because you've got more of my voice in your earbuds today. <laughs> hey, we're having a great time today. I'm excited about this episode because it's going to be a little bit different, maybe a little entertaining, maybe a little informative, and a little bit encouraging, all rolled into one with some embarrassing stories from myself. So I'm sure that you'll enjoy it, at least. I hope so. Anyway, hey, before we jump into all that, I want to let you know, as always, that you can find everything you need to know about this episode over in the show notes which you can find at lifeaftersightloss.com slash 004. That's lifeaftersightloss.com slash 004. The show notes are basically the blog post that goes along with this episode. You can find links and conversation and information and all the stuff I talk about in today's episode. Again, just go over to lifeaftersightloss.com slash zero zero four now let's take a few minutes to jump into a little bit of news and updates there is a competition in Tennessee that is for braille readers yeah it's a braille competition People at the Los Angeles Braille Institute are partnering with places like the Tennessee School for the Blind and having these Braille competitions. Braille readers come in and they have to proofread Braille. They have to make sense of graphs and charts. They have to write answers with a Braille keyboard and things like that. And with Braille literacy on the decline, people are hoping that competitions like this will encourage Braille literacy and people learning Braille. Now, I know for myself as a person who had sight before and then lost it, I don't actually read Braille. It was one of those things that I tried to learn, but was so difficult coming from sighted to non-sighted, you know, the dots didn't look like the letter P or whatever the case was. So I'm actually encouraged that places like this are doing this because I think Braille can be very helpful. And it's not some antiquated thing that people don't need anymore. I think with technology nowadays, we can often think that, well, I don't need Braille because I have digital technology. And there's nothing like having a real physical book, having a notebook to take notes in and things like that. So kudos to places like this doing this Braille competition. If you know me, you know that I love the theater. I have been a performer for many years, and I recently read an article where a performer gave five tips to being a theater performer when you are visually impaired. Now, this guy is kind of a man after my own heart because he gives some great tips, and these tips aren't just for you know theater people. They're great general tips overall. He gives tips like being your own advocate in the theater company and remembering that you're not defined by being a visually impaired person. You can be so much more than just being a VIP. You're a performer. You're a sound designer. You're a set builder, all those sort of things in the theater realm. So if you want to check that out, I encourage you to do so. The link is over in the show notes. Do you have problems going to the polls and casting your vote? It's hard because you've got to bring somebody or you've got to trust that person in the voting area to push the right buttons or mark the right ballot for you. Well, in Ireland, they just had a big case in front of the high court and they made a decision that they realized that people need the right to vote in secret, especially visually impaired people who have not had access to that. So they are actually making strides to help visually impaired people vote in secret, whatever that might be, whether it's using, uh, technology, the internet, uh, teleconference things of that nature however they're going to do it they have said basically this is a right and they need to have access to these things so kudos to countries like ireland for doing things like that hey what do you think about that do you think we should all have access to secret voting even if we're visually impaired what are your thoughts about that and all the news articles that i've mentioned here today let me know on facebook twitter or drop me an email Derek d-e-r-e-k at lifeaftersightloss.com Hey, we've all had embarrassing moments, haven't we? You know, I know, we all get embarrassed from time to time. Doesn't matter if you're blind. Doesn't matter if you're sighted. Doesn't matter if you have two legs, one leg, three legs. Doesn't matter. We all have embarrassing moments. It's just part of life. We just get embarrassed. It's not like, you know, we're trying hard to be embarrassed. It just happens to us. And when you're visually impaired, when you've lost your sight, you actually have... I don't know, a little bit different experience when you get embarrassed. For me, I know that I have had those moments after I've lost my sight where it really bothers me and it just, I don't know, it, it plays in my head. And so today I wanted to do a couple of things. One, I wanted to share about embarrassment, how people can feel visually impaired. Maybe you feel this way as a VIP. Maybe you're listening to this and you're a sighted supporter and you can have some context on how somebody might feel if they have an embarrassing moment. But the way I thought I'd do that the best is by sharing some embarrassing moments from my own life. Now, I've ranked these from sort of the least embarrassing or the least lasting effects to the most lasting effects. (laughs) And so, again, I'm trying to be real transparent here and share a of my own personal experience because I want to let you know that you're not alone. I've gone through these things and hopefully my story will not only make you smile, but at the same time will help you know that you're not alone and we all go through these things. So I'm going to share some stories with you today. Hopefully you find them encouraging, you find them helpful, and it helps you to understand a little bit more about how embarrassment can mess with your mind. The first story comes from pre-sight loss. I thought I'd share a story from when I was sighted so that you could know whether you're blind or sighted, everybody experiences embarrassment. So when I was in middle school, there was a girl that I really liked. I sat next to her in social studies class. I thought she was pretty. I thought she was funny. I just she was the girl of my dreams. You know, I, I was going to marry this girl in the seventh grade. It was wonderful. Well, fast forward to high school. This girl had no idea who I was until we were sophomores. And something happened where I don't. I think she broke up with her boyfriend or something. And and I had the opportunity to start talking to this girl. Now that term talking is. What What we used for pre dating in high school. We weren't really going anywhere or what. It's kind of like, you know, we say we're going out when we weren't going anywhere. Anyway, we were in that talking phase. So one Sunday, she was going to go to church with me, and we had a mutual friend, and her family were going to pick this girl up and then come pick me up. Well, it was wintertime, and so I thought, you know what? This is a great opportunity to look really cool. I can dress really fancy and impress this girl. So we were going to church, so I put on my nice suit that I had. I put on my trench coat because it was long and flowy, and I thought I looked cool. And I put on my fancy shoes. And a little bit of foreshadowing for you, those shoes did not have the best grip on the sole. So I come out of my house, and there's three steps down off my porch. Now, remember, I'm sighted at this point. There's no worry about me finding the steps or anything like that. And there's three steps. I've taken them all before. No big deal. There they are, sitting in the van, waiting for me to come. I hit the first step. Mm Mm-hmm. Second step. Yeah. Third step. Oh, not so much. Apparently, there was some ice on that last step. And as if in slow motion, my feet fly into the air... And I face plant smack right on the sidewalk in front of my house. <sighs> yeah, yeah, that's uh that's how it went. And there she was in the van, probably laughing hysterically at me. And I lay there for a few moments, you know, kind of waiting to wake up from this horrible nightmare <laughs> because clearly this wasn't really happening. But uh yeah, yeah, it was really happening. There I was, flat on the ground in front of the girl of my dreams and I thought well not coming back from this one she's done with me now and uh, that's it so I got up I got in the van we went to church the whole thing and I just didn't know how it was gonna go but apparently it's not gone all that bad because that girl I liked is now the mother of my children and we've been married for nearly 14 years so I guess sometimes embarrassment isn't all that bad all right now let's go to some stories that are post- visual impairment post the sight loss. So there was one instance where some of my friends and I, including my girlfriend at the time, who again, now my wife, we all went bowling. Now this, I can't remember how long this was after my sight loss. It wasn't terribly long. And so we all went bowling. Now I've never been like a college level bowler, but I, I Held my own in bowling. You know, I did pretty good. And so I thought, you know, I don't know how great I'm going to do. I'm just going to go and have a good time and, you know, whatever the case is, it'll, it'll be fine. So it was my turn to go, and I, I picked up the ball and I flung it down the alley. I was just glad I got it in my lane, you know. And so I flung it down there. It did great. And I don't know what I was thinking. I think I grabbed somebody else's ball. Like, I'm just so cool. I'm so versatile. I can use the pink ball or the blue ball or the brown one or what. I'm just so great. And here I was with the second ball and I go up to the lane, I start to throw it, and my friend behind me is like, Derek, wait, 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 and I fling the ball, and I hear it smacked right into that arm that comes down to sweep away all of the pins that have been knocked down. I mean, it smacked that thing, and my friend comes up behind me and puts their arms on my shoulder, or puts their hands on my shoulder, and is kind of like laughing and, and almost looking around like, does anybody see this? You know, because they're embarrassed for me, I'm sure, and I kind of laugh it off. I grin. I'm like, what? Whatever. That's funny. You know, and, and, you know, again, my sight loss was pretty, pretty new. I don't know how long it was, but it was still pretty new. And I think my friends were probably more embarrassed than I was, but it was just one of those things where sight loss got in my way and I made the choice and I did the thing and well, there you go. Now, suffice it to say, I wait much longer between taking my opportunity to throw the ball down there. I go, I wait for the ball to come back, I take a few extra steps, I look back and say, how many pins do I have? I take plenty of time, and if I'm still not sure, I'll go ahead and say, is it now? Am I ready to go? And my wife will be like, sure, you can throw it now. This third story is about a set of stairs. I worked in a church a few years ago, and there was this staircase that went up to this upper room, we called it. And I was working with my friend, and he and I were the same age, and we were having a great time, and we were up in this upper room for some odd reason— and we were coming down the stairs. He was in front of me. And for some reason, this staircase always gave me issues. Right at the bottom, it was kind of like, am I down? Am I not down? It felt that, you know, sometimes you get to the bottom of the stairs, you just feel that you're down. This one played tricks on my mind. So he got down to the bottom and I got down to the last couple of steps and I, I don't know, I, my heel caught or something and I tripped and I didn't fall forwards. So I fell backwards and I sat on one of the steps, I think. And he turned and paused and said, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm fine. And then he kind of grinned and we laughed, you know, and it, it was just one of those moments where it wasn't severely embarrassing, but he was somebody I looked up to and I wanted him to think I was competent. And I didn't want him to be like, if you can't even walk a set of stairs, how are you going to do anything else? <laughs> that sort of thing. And as a side note, he and I had come up with this idea that we never got to do, it would have been hysterical, but do these series of videos where we do reality versus what plays in our head. And so the reality of that picture is he asked if I was okay. I was, I got up, we moved on, but then we would cut to like what I thought in my head and it would be him yelling at me like, you're so incompetent. Nobody loves you. You're so handicapped and useless and blah, blah, blah. It's like, that's, a, and again, that's awful. That's not what happened, but my friend and I, you'd have to understand our relationship, I guess, but it's one of those things where we do play those things in our heads and it wasn't, you would think, well, that's not as embarrassing as falling in front of the girl you really liked. But for me, that girl I really liked, I guess it wasn't that big a deal in the long run. But this, I wanted my friend to think I was competent, I was put together, I knew what I was doing, and that sort of thing. So, yeah, that staircase gave me troubles from then on out. And and from then on out, I started counting the steps and made sure I was on the bottom before I started you know, going to town there at the bottom of the staircase. Oh, I got to say, reliving some of these stories is terrible. <laughs> I've got two more stories that I want to share with you, and they're quite a bit more embarrassing, and is reliving them has been somewhat difficult. And I'm going to share those with you coming up after the break, so stick around, and we'll be right back after this. According to popular statistics, you most likely have a Facebook page. Profile. I would venture to guess since you're, I don't know, one of the billions of people that have a Facebook profile. And if you do, I would love for you to come on over to my Facebook page, Life After Sight Loss, and click that like button and follow the page so that you can get all the updates from the Facebook page. And why should you do this? Well, a couple of reasons. One, who doesn't love clicking the like button, right? I mean, yeah, that's great. But number two, I'd love to start doing some Facebook live streams from the page and to really make, live streams work, you got to have people watching them. So if you get the opportunity, hop on over to lifeaftersightloss.com slash Facebook and like that Life After Sight Loss Facebook page. I post articles that I have written and podcast episodes and videos. I share articles I read. I share thoughts and encouragement and that sort of thing over there on the Facebook page. Plus, hopefully in the future, I'll start doing some Facebook live streams, question-answer sessions, uh, thoughts, and all kinds of great stuff, so hop on over loss dot com slash facebook and like that page. So, like I said, these last two stories are a little bit more embarrassing and have, I don't know, been a little more difficult to deal with remembering them and going over them in my head for today's episode. So bear with me as we go through these. These aren't easy to talk about because they're really embarrassing, but hey, I want to be transparent and I want to be authentic with you guys and let you know that you're not alone. So this next story comes when I was in college. It was my first semester of school. Remember, I lost my sight when I was 18. I missed my first semester of college. So technically, this was my first and everybody else's second. So I had my guide dog at the time, and this was probably, let's say, six, eight months after I lost my sight, okay? So we're talking that kind of time frame. Now, at the time, I was living on my own in a dorm room by myself because I had a dog and a huge old set of accessible computers and printers and TVs and all that sort of thing. So I was by myself, and I wasn't really going out that much. It was a very lonely and socialist time for me. And if you know me, I'm a very social person. So it was a difficult time living in that college dorm all by myself. But I met this girl whose father actually ended up being a superintendent of a school for the blind. So it was actually kismet, I think. And so I met this girl, and she really helped I don't know, bring me out a bit. And she helped take me places and, you know, get me out of that room. And as a side note, the way I met her was funny because... There was a girl that came up to me when I was first there and asked if she could pet my dog. I said, no, he's working, you know, that sort of thing. Well, then later on that evening, I was talking to all the guys on my floor, just introducing myself, talking about the dog, what was appropriate, what wasn't. And I shared about this girl who wanted to pet my dog. And of course, to look cool in front of people, what do you do? You throw somebody else under the bus. It's not right, but it's what we do. And so I talked about this girl who was like, oh, this girl, she's so dumb. She wanted to pet my dog. And it turns out, one of her friends was a guy on my floor who later told her this story then she came knocking on my door one day and said hi I'm the girl who wanted to pet your dog I was like oh I'm so embarrassed it was terrible that's (laughs) that was embarrassing in and of itself but that girl ended up being great and uh, just being a wonderful to me during that time Now, one such story with this girl, I was adventuring out and decided to go down to the cafeteria with this girl and some other people. And so at the cafeteria, you had to get a tray and get your plate and your cup and all that sort of thing on the tray. Well, I had a dog, so I was down one hand because I had to hold on to the harness. But I ended up having to carry the tray with both hands, so I looped the leash over my wrist and carried the tray. Now, my dog was great. He was a wonderful dog. He listened really well. He was fantastic. But he was a dog nonetheless. And apparently, there was some food or something on the floor that he thought, you know what? I'm going to help them clean this up. I'm going to take care of this spot for you. Don't worry, janitor man. I got this. And so, in one smooth swoop, he takes a dive towards the floor, and so does my tray. The tray falls, the the food falls off the plate, the cup goes on the floor and drink falls out, right smack dab in the middle of the cafeteria. And we were really close to where we were going to sit down as well. And so here it is, my dog's eating off the floor, people are looking at me, the people I'm with are probably embarrassed and they have to help me clean up the mess and we end up sitting down, and I eat whatever was left, and it was it was awful. I was so embarrassed. I I had convinced myself and said this is the reason I don't go out and I don't do things because my life is over. And you know th- this thing right in front of me again, my beautiful, wonderful guide dog. God rest his soul. He was amazing, but he was the thing that reminded me that my life had forever changed. And now he was the thing causing me more problems. I was so angry at this dog, which again it was not his fault. He was a dog. He was wonderful. I'm not blaming the dog. But I was so angry. I was so upset. I was so embarrassed. I was humiliated. I think I finished and I went back to my room and I was just like, "Ugh, I'm not doing this again. You know, it's terrible. And so I had that moment where I just felt, again, I just felt like two inches tall. It was so, so sad. So, so embarrassing. Needless to say, I don't think I set foot in that cafeteria again that year. And if I ever did, I had someone else carry my tray because you know what? I'm not going through that whole thing again. And finally, this last story is probably the worst of all for me. Now, maybe there are others that I've blocked out from my from my mind so it's not that depressing. But this one, this one's pretty bad. And I'll go ahead and say this up front. If you laugh during this story, it's okay. It's a funny story when, you know, it happens to somebody else. <laughs> It's one of those things. Wasn't funny to me and still not hysterically funny, but it's okay if you're laughing. I just want to clear that up. So my wife and I were married and it had been about six or seven years since I lost my sight. I think we even had a child at this time. And so I was an adult doing the adult thing, you know, living life and having a job and all that sort of thing. Well, we took a trip out to Las Vegas. It was my wife and I and some friends. We went out to take a destination trip because my friends uh, were getting married. There's a couple getting married, not in Vegas proper, like by Elvis or something, but, you know, out in that area. So we all went to Vegas together to kind of celebrate and, you know, and have a trip together. So we go to the airport and I haven't flown a whole lot at this point uh, in the airport. And so I'm I'm not used to everything. So it's a little bit different. Not bad. I like the airport now. It's actually one of the better places to go when you can't see, but I had my cane. We'd gone through security. Our bags were checked. Everything was fine. And I decided I'm going to go to the restroom. So my wife and I find the restroom, I go in with my cane, I find the urinal, I stand in front of it, I set my cane up against the urinal and lean it there, and I, well, you know, do what you do at a urinal. And so I took my time, and it felt a little different standing at this urinal for some reason. I couldn't quite place it. So I finished up. I reached up to flush it, and I realized it wasn't flushing. And I wondered what the problem was. And then as I really tried to use all my powers of vision that I had left, I realized there was something on the front of this urinal. And then I realized the urinal was out of order, and they had placed a white trash bag over this white urinal. Yeah. And for me, contrast is key. And if you are visually impaired, you know what I'm talking about. Contrast is crucial. And so I did not know that this urinal was out of order. And as I began to, you know, finish up, then I realized that I had, let's just say it, I'd peed all over myself. I mean, there's no two ways about it. And I'm not trying to be graphic here, but that's what had happened all over myself. All of my pants were soaking wet. My underwear was wet. Everything was, it looked like I had a complete accident. And here I was an adult. I was married with kids. I mean, and I peed myself. It was terrible. And again, if you're laughing right now, it's perfectly fine. Like peed is a funny word. Don't get me wrong. Bathroom humor is still funny, but I went, I washed my hands. I tried to clean up the best I could. And I went out of the bathroom and had to face my wife and say, I I peed on myself and explain the story, and I was so mad, and I was so upset, and I was humiliated, and the, the bad part was I didn't have any extra clothes. All my bags were checked, and I didn't have anything in my carry-on luggage, and so I had to go down to some shop in the airport and buy a set of swim trunks, again, because everything was wet, and I had to buy a set of swim trunks and return to this bathroom, the scene of the crime, and change my clothes and wear these swim trunks onto the plane and it was, it was awful. Every time I looked down, I, I just would remember it. And it was like I was mad because nobody in the bathroom bothered to tell me as I was standing there that it was out of order. I was humiliated. I was embarrassed. I was powerless. I was... Oh, it was it was just one of the worst moments I can remember after sight loss, and and I'm sure my wife was embarrassed. Uh, you know, my friend was there, and it was kind of like it's fine, you know, or whatever. But clearly, it wasn't, and uh, you know, it was one of those moments where you just want to crawl into bed and not get back out. You know, it was so embarrassing, and I, and there was nothing I could do about it. It happened. And I just had to move forward. Now, luckily, it didn't ruin my whole Las Vegas trip. It was fine. Uh, the The trip was good. I ended up actually officiating the ceremony for this couple, and it was a uh, it was a great trip. But it did not start off very well. And needless to say, when I use public restrooms now, I check and make sure everything is in the way it should be. I double, I triple check if I have to. And, you know, just because I don't need something like that happening again. It was not a high moment in my life. And even now bringing it up and talking about it and thinking about it for this episode, it it brought up some of those memories and some of those feelings. And it's just not fun at all. And if you've ever experienced something like that, you know what I'm talking about. So public restrooms, really not my friend. So, there are five stories about my life when I experienced some embarrassing moments. Now, why did I share those stories? Well, again, I want to be transparent. I want to be authentic in sharing this with you. And I want to let you know that you're not alone when you feel embarrassed. We all have those moments. And even after nearly 16 years, I still have embarrassing moments. Just the other day, we were walking through a restaurant and I had a cup with a lid on my hand. It was a fast food place. And I hit the edge of a table with that cup. Now, Thank God I did not drop the cup. Oh, that would have been awful. But I hit the edge of the table, and the people looked at me in my mind like, what the heck are you doing? I don't know if they really looked at me or not. But in my mind, they were like, what the heck? Because a sighted person would have seen the table and walked around it. But it was a dark table and a dark restaurant, and it was just not very good. And so I have those moments consistently. I don't mean regularly, like every single day, but consistently enough where I still get embarrassed over things. I want to make sure that I'm competent, and I want to make sure that people look at me competently. And so what do you do with embarrassing moments? Well, there's just a few pieces of advice I want to give you today. Number one, remember that you're not alone. We all have those moments of embarrassment. We all have them. Whether you're sighted, whether you're blind, no matter what it is, we all get embarrassed from time to time. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing that is terrible about that. You're not less of a person. You're not incompetent. Uh, You're not a terrible idiot or anything like that. We all get embarrassed from time to time. Number two, remember that it's probably worse in your head than it is in reality. It's probably worse up there. You've probably made it out to be the the most terrible thing. In fact, if I told my wife these five stories, she probably wouldn't remember hardly any of them because it wasn't as bad outwardly as it is in my head. Maybe that bathroom incident she probably would remember, but the rest of them she might not because, again, I've made it this horrible thing in my head. I I play it over, and the, the movie that plays in my head is like this horrible, embarrassing, never-ending story about how my life is terrible and tragic and awful and it's never going to get any better. Now, again, is it that bad? No. No, it's not. It's probably worse in my head. So just keep that in mind and tell yourself that, that, you know what, this is, I'm probably making it worse than it really is. It's worse in my head. The movie playing in my head is worse So keep that in mind as you replay those movies. And number three, you're going to have lots of emotions that you face. I encourage you just to deal with them as they come. It might be sadness. It might be frustration. It might be anger. It might be humiliation. It might be lots of different things. But I encourage you to deal with them in the moment because they'll come back and they'll haunt you and they'll hit you and you've got to deal with them. Some stories, they might you might laugh it off in 10 minutes. It's like, it's fine. It's whatever. Some stories, it may take longer. But they say that comedy is simply tragedy plus time. So a lot of things can happen and just over time they naturally become funnier. Now I don't think I could tell that story about the bathroom and just be laughing the whole time. Um, maybe I need a little more time on that one but for the most part you can tell people stories that happened you years ago and you're laughing and they're laughing because it's hysterical and you say you know well I can laugh about it now because again it's tragedy plus Time. So remember, time does heal, but also deal with those things that you're going through. Because if you're frustrated, if you're angry, you know, deal with it, express it, share it, get it out, because somebody else might be dealing with it too. And it would help them to know wow, I'm not alone. Wow, I dealt with anger too. I was really mad at that. And, and you know what? I I thought I was a terrible person, but you felt that and I felt that. And wow, that's okay. So deal with the emotions, express the emotions. In a healthy way, obviously, and walk through it. Because again, after some time has passed, most of these things will dissipate into the frame of comedy and you'll be able to laugh, at least for the most part. Alright guys, well I want to take just a minute here at the end of the episode to give you my real-life retweet. This is just a quote or little snippet of something that I want to share with you because, gosh, I think it's important that we take away something from everything we do, whether it's a blog post, a video, a podcast, whatever. I want you to have something that you can take away and remember here at the end of the episode. So this quote today comes from somebody named Douglas Inglehart. Douglas Inglehart, and his quote says this, quote, the rate at which a person can mature is directly proportional To the embarrassment he can tolerate. End quote. Let me give that to you again one more time. It says, the rate at which a person can mature is directly proportional to the embarrassment he can tolerate. And I think that's true for us today. You know what? The more that we go through these things, the more mature we become. The more we are able to deal with things in a mature way, in a healthy way, instead of flying off the handle or, you know, poking somebody in the eye, we're able to deal with it a lot healthier than we would have before. So remember that quote today from Douglas Englehart, that your embarrassment is directly proportional to your rate of maturity. And that's going to wrap it up for me today. I want to thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I hope it was encouraging. I hope it was entertaining. It was informative. You got a good laugh at my expense, which is perfectly okay with me because everybody needs a good laugh from time to time. Hey, here at the end of the episode, I'd love for you to do a couple of things. Number one, if you're new here and you haven't gotten the chance yet, I'd love for you to subscribe to the podcast. You can do that in iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast catcher. And when you subscribe it's totally free and you'll get the newest episodes sent to you straight every single time it comes out so you won't miss another single episode so make sure to subscribe on iTunes Google Play Stitcher or your favorite podcast catcher and if you need links to check those out you can go to lifeaftersightloss.com slash podcast also if you want to get in touch with me hop on over to lifeaftersightloss.com slash contact and that'll give you all the ways to like follow, email, and get in touch with me. Questions, thoughts, comments, or maybe you just want to say, hey, 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 what's going on? I'd love to hear from you. Hop on over to lifeaftersightloss.com slash contact. Well, that's going to wrap it up for me today, guys. I want to thank you for listening to today's episode. I hope it was encouraging, it was entertaining, it was informative, and it lets you know that you're not alone when it comes to life. Whether it's embarrassment or whether it's Celebration or whatever, we're all doing this thing together, and I hope that you learn that from today's episode. And until next time, remember, guys, that sight loss isn't the end, it's just the beginning. My name's Derek Daniel from lifeaftersightloss.com, and I'll see you in the next one.